0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to you. Welcome back to the Frozen Fanatics Hockey Podcast. And I'll be your host, as always, Chris Acton. Uh, In the future, I will be looking to add a co-host to bring in some different opinions and uh, keep it a little more lively in here. But for now, you're just uh, stuck with me. Uh, Today on the episode, we have the state of the franchise for the Detroit Red Wings. And then hopefully, if we have some time left, uh, we'll do a little bit of talking about what happened on All-Star Weekend. Uh so I, mean, I guess it's just time to jump on into it with the Detroit Red Wings for next year. This uh out of out of all the state of the franchises that we're gonna look at, this one uh this one will probably be the most interesting one because I mean Detroit's in a pretty bad spot. There's there's no uh, there's no way around that. Uh they're currently sitting at nineteen twenty one and eight through 48 games with a total of 46 points um which is 10 points out of the last wild card spot uh currently um and i mean as you can tell by the record it's been a pretty bad season for the team uh, we all know last year they lost the pr- playoff streak so you know uh where to go with this team first off uh Got to address some rumors lately that Ken Holland will be the next GM of the Vancouver Canucks, which would obviously imply uh, that he would be let go by the Detroit Red Wings, you know, which there's been a lot of talk about uh, letting him and Jeff Blasio go and kind of just uh, kind of just starting over. I think uh, a, a big problem they've had is, like I mentioned in the uh, Blackhawks' day of the franchise, um, it, it's important as a manager to know when it's time to go for it and when it's time to call it in and i think we've seen ken holland struggle with that uh you know when the playoff streak was winding down and and they lost it um you know that would signal a rebuild to most teams but then you see them go out and sign trevor daly to a three-year about 3.2 million dollar contract um just just signings like that um the future is bright for this team. There's a lot of young players. Um, you know, just go through the list right now. Uh, Andreas Athansiu, Dylan Larkin, Anthony Mantha, Tyler Bertuzzi, Martin Furk. Um, you got Hronik. You got, you know, you you got a two-headed monster at goalie. Um, and you, you got a lot of other uh, prospects, like uh, Joe Hicketts that people are excited about coming up. The problem is... A large portion of those guys have to be signed to this offseason. C um, is a restricted free agent. Dylan Lark is a restricted free agent. So is Anthony Mantha. So is Tyler Bertuzzi. So is Martin Firk. Obviously, they're all going to get raises. But the problem is you have you have Henrik Zetterberg signed through 2022 at over $6 million. Uh, Tatar and Franz Nielsen signed through 2022 and 2023, respectively, at about $5.3 million. Uh, Danny DeKaiser, which is a good signing at $5 million for the next, uh, five years. Um, but then you got, you know, Cronwall has two years left on his contract and he's slowing down. Jonathan Erickson has two more years at $4.25 million, uh, along with Trevor Daly, like I said, about $3.2 million. So as much, you can have all the young talent you want, but as we're going to see with the Maple Leafs in a few years, if you can't keep them, if you can't afford to sign them under the salary cap, it's it's kind of useless. Um, we've seen masterful navigation of the cap down in Tampa by um, General Manager Steve Eiserman and it's it's going to take something like that in Toronto and in Detroit uh, to really make this team competitive going forward. And you you got a lot of questions on the team. Um, you know the goalie situation is huge. Uh, two years ago, Peter Mrazek tore it up. Uh, you sign him to the $4 million a year bridge deal. And then we talk about trading Jimmy Howard, but there's no trade market for Jimmy Howard, so they kind of run a tandem. And then Peter Mrazek's game just drops off the face of the earth. And so you're thinking, well, hey, at least he's only signed through this year. And then we you know, we drop him at the end. Uh, Jimmy Howard had an incredible season last year when he wasn't hurt. But then you come back this year, Mrazek suffers again. Howard starts to suffer so you're thinking, who are you going to keep? And then, you know, well, maybe maybe we just don't re-sign Mrazek. Maybe we get rid of him. But then but then he turns it on. He has two shutouts in a row, uh, one in Chicago, and I can't remember um, the one after that in January. And then all of a sudden he's looking like maybe he's your goalie again. I mean, he's obviously um, five or six years younger than Howard um, and cheaper. But, you know, it's going to be hard to do because, I mean, if you go if you if you sign Howard Morazic again this off season and go with the Howard Morazic tandem, I mean the the big thing is money because most of the time your your starter makes between five and six million, your backup is a one million, one point five million dollar guy. I mean maybe Jared Corot next year, but I mean Morazic's making four million and you know, is he gonna get rewarded for taking that bridge deal and get a bigger contract? I, I honest I don't know. Um so I th- I think the contract situation is the biggest for me and we'll see we'll see if Ken Holland stays if he goes um what all kind of happens with that I I think I don't know if Jeff Blashill or Ken Holland goes first I think they're both gone within the next year or two uh I mean obviously a coach is more expendable so maybe he goes at the end of the season and then we see what happens with Holland in Toronto but it's just really really been peculiar um. So I tried to put together an armchair GM uh, for next season of kind of what I think would be best for the Red Wings to have the best chance of succeeding. Um, so first off, at the trade deadline this year, um, just like we all expect Mike Green to be gone, I have them trading him to Toronto. Um, and I think, I mean, Mike Green is going to be covered at the trade deadline. Toronto's been wanting a right D-man um, for a while now. Uh so I have Mike Green in a fourth round pick going to Toronto. And then coming back, don't don't yell at your computer before you give me a chance to explain. I have Jeremy Barocco, Callie Rosen, and a second round pick. Um I kind of modeled this after the Kevin Shattenkirk trade because of the similar style of play. Uh, one was late twenties, one's early thirties. Um so I, I figured they'd generate a similar return. Um the Kevin Shattenkirk trade, um, I believe they got two prospects and a pickback, so that's what you're getting back from the Leafs. Um Detroit in Cali Rosen gets a younger defenseman. I think he's 23 years old. Uh, a big, lanky guy. Uh, came from overseas, so it'll be... I think he can develop, I think, right now. Um, Andreas Borgman and Travis Dermott have just outplayed him, so he's down in the minors. Um, but I think he has a as a decent potential as a a five or six fifth or six D man in the future, and then the big piece is Jeremy Bracco. Um, everyone's gonna say, well, you know, he he's a top prospect. You're not gonna touch him. I mean, but then you look at it and you realize the ridiculous amount of forward depth, especially at a young age, that the Maple Leafs have. They can afford to give Bracco away because Bracco has a, a very high ceiling. But he's also shown some signs that he might be a tweener. Um, so I think Detroit, not necessarily buying low, I think it's a good return. But, you know, I, I don't think he's commanding quite as much as he would have originally after he was drafted because of, like I said, his inconsistency. And then the fact that, I mean, in the NHL, under 25 years old, the Maple Leafs have Austin Matthews, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, who are their top three scorers, Zach Hyman, Connor Brown um, Nikita Nikita Zaitsev's a D-man, um, you know, Josh Lievo, Kasperi Kapanen, Nikita Sashnikov, all in the NHL already, um, and then they're complimented by their veterans, and then you look at their prospect pool, uh, and it's just, it's absolutely, I mean, it's crazier than that, I mean, then you have Carl Grundstrom, who's looking, uh, like he could be something big, Adam Brooks, uh, looks like he could be quite nice, Andreas Johnson, um, you just go to Kirby Reichel, uh, Dimitro Dmitro um, you know, you just keep just keep going down the list, and the forward depth in this organization is unreal. And Frederick Gauthier probably um, will never see uh, could never see, you know, full time, uh, NHL duty with this team. Um, just and and he's I think he's a solid player, a solid two way player, um, but he's just never gonna see time with his team, so I think. You can afford to give up Jeremy Baracco if you're the Leafs at this point. Um, and the second trade I have in the offseason is trading Peter Mrazek's rights or uh, with an agreement to sign at a certain level, uh, and a second-round pick to Ottawa Ottawa for John Gabriel Peugeot and a fourth-round pick. I think Peugeot is kind of an upgrade on Helm. I know Helm's got the speed, um, but I think Peugeot has a little scoring touch and a little two-way game and some stability to the bottom six, I know Helms had some injury issues, um, in the past, and so I think this. I mean, <clears throat> this team looks, I mean, pretty good for next year if you can, um, if you can pull off moves similar to this. I mean, the forward lineup has uh, Athanasiu, Larkin, and Nyquist on the first line, Tatar, Zetterberg, and Manth on the second line, uh, Michael Rasmussen, JZ Peugeot, and Jimmy Baraka on the third line. Uh, and then Tyler Bertuzzi, Franz Nielsen, and Justin Ablicator on the fourth line with Darren Helm and Martin Furk uh, as the extra forwards. And I forgot to go through the uh, the offseason signings. Uh, I don't have them signing any UFAs. Um, as far as RFAs are concerned, I have Athenasiou at three years, three million. Tyler Bertuzzi at two years, 1.5 million. Uh, Jared Carole, uh one year, 925K. Martin Furk, two years, $1.1 $1. $1 uh, And then Dylan Larkin and Anthony Mantha with matching five years, $5.5 $5 million contracts. Um, and that's it. So moving on to the D-Core, uh, you have DeKaiser and Cronwall in the first pairing, Erickson and Daly in the second pairing, uh, Xavier Lett and Callie Rosen on the third pairing. And then either um, uh, Hronick or Pickett's uh, as the extra d-man and jimmy howard and jared Caro in that now i know i say well the defense didn't get any better i mean he, we added a, a wild card in kelly rosen but the problem is you can't invest any more money in this decor um you look at your top four danny de five million nicholas Cronwell 4.75 million jonathan erickson 4.25 million trevor daly 3.2 million um that's an expensive top four, and the only one that really earned it or is still earning it is Danny DeKaiser. Cronwall's over the hill and dealing with injuries. Erickson is Brent Seabrook-esque just with not quite as big of a cap hit. Trevor Daly is a productive uh, offensive defenseman, but almost 35 years old, making $3.2 million for a team that's not going to make the playoffs, just it doesn't make much sense to me. Um, but I think the forward core is good. Um, I think Jared Caro can be a decent backup, and Jimmy Howard's a wild card. Like I said, he had a great season last year, struggling this year. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But this team, uh, after the you put Franz Nils, or uh, Johan Franz in on LTAR, and then you have the uh, the Stephen Weiss buyout. This team has a cap hit of seventy nine point seven million. So right up there at the cap. Uh, I think they do compete for a playoff spot, if that is what the roster looks like, um, but a contender, probably not. We'll, we'll just be safe and say it's it's probably not going to happen. Um, but going forward, I think the biggest thing for this team is just to commit to the rebuild. Um, last year, they looked decent for stretches. They were buoyed by... Henrik Zetterberg having a crazy bounce back season. Anthony Manta came out. Uh, Dylan Larkin's having a bounce back season now, but I this team just doesn't have a direction to me. Um, in the past couple of years they've played a different style of hockey. Um, I mean, with guys like Larkin, Athenasiou, um you, you're adding a lot of speed to the lineup, uh, which is where you need to go. Adding those young guys, adding those speed guys. Um, I mean, because. That, that's, that's where you have to go to be competitive uh, in the game anymore. Um, I, I think in Grand Rapids, they have some decent decent depth. Um, talk about Cholowski on defense, uh, Nick Jensen on defense, um, and you have Evgeny Shrvechnikov uh, as a forward that can come up, Dominic Terzian. Um, so, in... I mean, there there's places to go. There's there's talent throughout this organization. It's just kind of getting focused, getting together, um, getting everybody on the same page, and you know, hoping those guys perform. I know there's there's a lot of hype around a lot of these guys. You know, we we fail to mention even that, uh, like we talked about with Chicago. This is a deep draft. And these are both teams that are going to miss the playoffs more than likely. So I mean, you know, if you're looking at uh, the draft this year, I mean, you have an immediate impact player, hopefully, um, you know, coming out. I mean, we have, obviously, Rasmus Dahlin is pegged to be the next Nick Lidstrom or Eric Carlson. Um, is it deserved? The, the kid's 17, but he's he's dominated um, every level he's been. Uh, then you have uh, Evgeny Shvetsnikov's brother, Andre, Um Philip Zadina, um, Quentin Hughes, Adam Bobquist, who could be a stud demon himself, um, Oliver Wallström, uh, Brady Ch- Brady Kachuk. Uh, you just go down the list, and you have probably ten to twenty. I mean, almost the whole first round in this draft could be immediate impacts. I'm not saying anything crazy, but you're potentially looking at, I mean, the whole first, almost the whole first round uh, could push for a lineup spot depending on, you know, what team they get drafted by. Um, so, I mean, Detroit could easily, you know, if they add, you know, Adam Bobquist or somehow get Rasmus Dahlin or, you know, one of the other top demons, there's there's quite a few uh good D-men in this draft class right-handed D-men which are obviously at a premium um, in the NHL right now I mean Ryan Merkley uh, could be a good one Evan Bouchard uh, Quentin Hughes like I said uh, Jet Wu Um, just a lot of talent coming out of junior hockey right now so um, it'll be exciting to see who Detroit can get Um, and I I I really think they can make a move Um, as far as my long-term prediction for them I It's hard because I mean this this offseason is even a huge question. Can they sign all their RFAs? Um they're not obviously not going to be able to make a big splash in um unrestricted free agency for a while. But I mean I think they can do some things within the organization. Um so I think my my best guess would be 2021, uh, they'll be a pretty good playoff team again. Um, 2022, 2023 is when they could, if they rebuild correctly, could be um, really competitive. And the reason I picked those two dates are because uh, 2020, 2021 is the first year without um, the Jonathan Erickson and Trevor Daly contracts. You can kind of retool your defense. Um, and, and the Cronwall contract will be up by then too. So you can retool your defense at that point. Um and then twenty twenty two is when Henrik Zetterberg comes off the books, uh, as well as Thomas Tatar, um, and and Nyquist will come off earlier than that. So you can these guys will all be around thirty years old, over thirty years old. So you I don't see them getting raises. Um, so either you know you don't resign the guy or you sign him to a lower cap hit. Um, and the cap's supposed to grow a lot this year. So hopefully you know it, it keeps that growth and then it gives a team like this more flexibility to kind of do what they need to do to keep their team together. But I mean in all of this, even if they're not competitive in the next few years, I just hope that that they can keep the young core together because I think all those r f a guys are your core. I think your core is Larkin mantha Athenau at forward um and then de kaiser can be your core defenseman um and then you see who you what you got with let if he gets better umronik Hickets, Cholowski. Um, you you kind of see what you can do there. Uh, at the goalie position, I there's no good answer for that one uh, because of the inconsistency of Mrazek. Um In a perfect world, Morazic is your long-term goalie. Hopefully Howard, you either find a trade partner for Howard at the deadline more of the next two years or in two years his contract's up and then you just go with Mrazek. Um But... It, I think it's more realistic that Mrazic is either traded or, um, they they trade his rights at least, uh, during the summer and bring Corral up as the backup goalie, uh, to free up some cap space. Um, but I I think this team definitely does have some potential going forward. So it'll be interesting to see that, um, you know, what Ken Holland can do this off season. And this could very well be his last off season. So, um, it'll be important to bring a cohesive management group in, um, and hopefully they can get the job done um, the way that ownership wants. So my prediction is no playoffs this year, no playoffs the next two years. Um, In about two or three years, they can be a playoff team. I think it's about five years before you can even think that they would contend. But first things first, commit to the rebuild like Toronto did. Stockpile picks, stockpile players under the age of 25. Um, and it's going to be hard for a few years. Uh, you just got to hope that your fans are dedicated uh, to the process. So that is my wrap-up on the Detroit Red Wings, uh, their state of the franchise. And now moving on to All-Star Weekend. Oh, boy. Um, Fun weekend, as always. Uh, The three-on-three All-Star game is better than uh, the regular All-Star game skills competition is at ad- as advertised. The first two years we had 3 on 3 all-star games. It was fun. It was exciting. It was up and down. Um the skills competitions were fun. This year it was terrible. Um I I don't think there's any other way to put it. I mean it, it's cool obviously to see all the guys doing their thing. But there was just no effort. I mean the the one challenge that comes to mind is um the save streak challenge for the goalies and you got you know not you got all every single all-star in the NHL coming down for multiple um shootout attempts and just no creativity, just throwing wrist shots from you know just below the dots. I mean no you know, people come there to see excitement, to see the creativity like you know Ovechkin did a few years back with his costume or you know, Suban dressing up as Yager, Kane with the Superman move, um and even creative, you know, real I know, I know the sh- the shootout rules this time. You had to be legal by NHL shootout rules, so I get that. But there was just no creativity. A guy like Kane, who's always, you know, boggling your mind, and goes in and just uh, throws a backhand up. I mean, I get that. Maybe you don't want to give away what you're actually doing this season, but I just it 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 was it was not fun to me. It was and and the All Star game felt that way too. You know, there was some speed the last couple years. There was no. There there was nothing this year. It was just breakaway this way, breakaway that way, and then you know playing on the outside. There was no. There was no. It, it I don't know. It was just choppy. There was no flow. It wasn't fun to me. Um, I I don't know what you can do to fix that. I mean, I get that players don't have the most motivation to play in the All Star Game, even if there's money on the line, but uh, something's got to give because that was just. That was just not good in my opinion. Um and then the other thing about All-Star weekend is everybody's getting interviewed and Gary Bettman um was asked about quite a few different topics. Uh one the Calgary Arena deal with the Saddledome. Uh he said that there's there's no way around that it has to be it has to be fixed. Um and ownership is having trouble with uh the city of Calgary um getting getting the funds uh properly forward for the arena upgrades or whatever they need to do possibly building a new arena um whether it's private funds whether it's public funds nobody's willing to pony up the money right now um and when asked about if calgary was going to potentially move he was, was just kind of eh, mm-hmm. I, I i don't think so it was no you know whereas like When you ask Gary Bettman if the Arizona Coyotes are going to get moved, it's a no, a a solid no. Or if the Florida Panthers are going to get, or the Carolina Hurricanes, it's, there's really no debate. But, you know, Calgary, a great hockey market, is just kind of like, eh, it could happen, I don't know. So, I mean, that was kind of bizarre to me, Uh, kind of off-putting if you're a Calgary fan. But, I, I don't know, it's just an odd situation. I know that they are putting in a bid for the next, I believe the next Winter Olympics or the following Winter Olympics. Uh, so they would have to build a new hockey arena for those Olympics. So there's potential that they're waiting on that. Um, but I, I don't really know. I don't know what to make of it. It was, I mean, it's typical Gary Bettman politician type answers. Uh, you, never, you never really pull anything out of it. Uh, it's just kind of, kind of a lot of mumble jumble. Um, but it, I mean, it, it does sound like uh, we'll get a 30 second expansion team in 2020 in Seattle. Um, as far as teams moving, like I said, it's kind of up in the air. Um, I, It'll probably be a Canadian team, to be honest, if it does. Uh, so uh, Calgary Flames would probably be it. Um, Because like I said, he's always uh, completely denying any American teams getting moved. Um, and then on to the fun part. On to the part that makes pretty much every NHL fan want to rip their hair out uh, when they hear it. Gary Bettman asked about goalie interference calls and reviews. Uh, To put it simply, nobody knows what a goal is anymore. Um, Goalies getting trampled in the goal counting. Um, And then in Toronto, you see Austin Matthews getting hooked by the goalie. And he's outside the blue paint and and doesn't interfere with the goalie at all. And he gets called back. And, And then you have the Artemisimov one against Toronto, where he completely puts his knee in the center of Freddie Anderson's back and falls on him. And the goal, the goal still counts, whether it was after the puck went in and before. regard Regardless, it, the point is nobody knows what a goal is. The fans don't, the refs don't, the coaches don't, the players don't, and it's frustrating. It's like a catch in the NFL. Nobody knows what the rule is on a catch in the NFL, and and the problem is the commissioner of the league, Gary Bettman, was asked about it, and he said we're overthinking it. Fans are overthinking it. Refs are overthinking it. You can't overthink something that doesn't exist there's no there's no black and white the whole it's not black and white or black and white with a little gray area it's all gray area nobody knows the rule and that's it's frustrating in itself and then when the commissioner of the league just says ah eh, they're overthinking it we don't want the rest to overthink it just so do you not want goal interference reviews do you just want refs to stick with the call on the ice do you want it changed i, I mean you're pretty much telling the review guys not to do their job i mean don't overthink it. To me, is the worst possible answer you give because you just you're making all the fans even more mad about it because I mean, you're pretty much saying that you don't know. Just you know, kind of kind of wing it. You know, hey, just just blindly pick. This, yeah, this is going to interference. No, this is not. Like there was no solid answer, and there's no solid answer moving forward. And it's it is as mad as fans are about the offsides rules, whether your skate was an inch off the ice and behind the line or blah 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 uh this one takes the cake because at least there's a concrete rule for offside reviews whether it's a crappy one or not that's besides the point there there is no concrete rule for goalie interference and it's driving everybody that watches hockey berserk and i just there there has to be some sort of language identified some sort of sit down um in the summer meetings uh to clarify goal interference because i mean this just especially especially in the playoffs when you have so much on the line you you can't afford to have ridiculous situations. Um, yeah, I mean, they've happened all season, but especially the last couple of weeks, we've seen a couple big ones. And Gary Bettman's excuse for that is that is because they're high profile. Because it was McDavid and Matthews, it's high profile because they were terrible calls, and be because of the fact that it was so ridiculous that it even happened, and the review took that long, and was the had the outcome that it did. That's why it was high profiles because of how terrible it was not people just didn't pick it because it was Matthews and McDavid. and you know when those guys when your two best young stars are speaking out when no hockey players ever speak out against the league or the rules, and you have these two young players 20 21 years old saying pretty pretty much that this is garbage, uh, I think you might have a real issue on your hand at that point. so Gary Bettman might want to work on your wording and clarification in future interviews. But uh, that's kind of my recap on the Red Wings and All-Star Weekend. Uh, So I hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, Probably we'll have another episode coming this weekend. Uh, It's not going to be an everyday thing. Uh, I just wanted to get these two done um, before games started up after the All-Star break. So tune back in later this week or this weekend. Uh, We'll have some logos up. Hopefully have our, our logo on Twitter. Um, getting the website up and running. Uh, so it, it, it's exciting stuff. So stick with me here.